Hey, it's Steve and welcome to Share, a podcast that sets out to do just that. From stories and reflections to ideas and concepts, each episode will dive into a wide range of topics and discussions that come from a journey through life. The simple fact I've discovered is when we share, we empower, not just ourselves, but each other. Are you planning your next holiday? Let the team at Mind and Body Travel inspire you. With a focus on wellness and well-being, the team at Mind and Body Travel can assist you whether you're looking to attend a retreat, test yourself on an adventure, tick off that bucket list trip, or just create a travel itinerary that includes all that you want in a holiday while taking into account all that your mind and body needs. Revolutionising the way people look at holidays and travel, they believe that travel should deliver nourishment for your soul, clarity for your mind, and renewed focus upon your return. So you ready to take off? Then it's time to check in with the team at Mind and Body Travel. Just visit www.mindandbodytravel.com. This week's episode takes us all the way over to Houston, Texas to catch up with an absolute legend of a guy who, when I met him, I knew one day I'd have to have him on an episode of the podcast. His journey to midlife has inspired a podcast, a weekly newsletter, and a book. He's gone from fat to fit, broke to wealthy, unhappy to fulfilled. He's a coach, an author, a podcast host, and a sought-after keynote speaker. He now shares what he's learned, what he's experienced, and the concept, ideas, and reflections collected from interviewing some of the world's top performers. This episode and conversation is full of absolute gold and he certainly doesn't hold back with the content. He shares so many of his insights and practical tips to maximize middle age and life. Without further ado, let me introduce you to this week's guest and my friend, the midlife male himself, Greg Scheinman. Greg, welcome to share all the way from, is it Houston, Texas? Houston, Texas. Woo! (laughs) So awesome to catch up with you. It's great to be here, Steve. Thank you for having me and and just to see you and hear you. And uh, it's been a minute. Let's get into this. Let's share for you. Yeah, no, sounds good. Really appreciate you jumping on. I know when I first met you, I was like, I've, I've got to have him on an episode of the podcast. And at that point, there wasn't even a podcast yet. So that's an interesting one. We might dive into that a little bit later. Totally. Look, I, I admire what you're doing and how you say you're going to do something and then you actually go after it and you do it, especially now that we've spent some time together from the first drive from where we Boston up up to Vermont to a week in the soul degree woods of Vermont to uh, here we are right now. So it's really just it's really just awesome to watch you do what you're doing and continue to move forward. So happy to support any way I can. Yeah, appreciate it. And it's interesting I talk in life very much around synchronicity, right? And I remember last year being on some of the calls with Chris and he mentioned one day, he goes, oh, you got to check out this this guy, Greg Scheinman. He's got Midlife Mail and just sent me a book. You've got to get the book. And I'm like, oh, great. So I followed you on Instagram and everything like that. And then worked out you were going to the retreat and I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can't wait to meet this guy. And then synchronicity in regards to catching up getting an Uber together, sharing that hour walk around Boston. Mm, Well, likewise, you know, first and foremost, Chris Robbins has been tremendous in terms of bringing men together. And I had the opportunity to meet Chris when he became a guest on, on my podcast. We had some mutual connections in the speaking world. And ultimately, Chris and I got connected. And I've developed a rapport and a friendship. And it was also, again, an honor, like you're saying, and a privilege to be included and invited to experience what he's built with Soul Degree, which was tremendous, which in turn, we you know, need to be able to meet men like yourself and the other brothers that we were on that trip with. And, and I'll tell you a quick story there. It's like, you know, typically when these things happen, you know, for, for me, I'm going to go somewhere and do it. You may need this, the guys out there. You know, I, I'm like, I'm going to fly into Boston. This is going to be, you know, I've got a lot going on. Let me rent a car and this way I can drive up myself. And if I need to get, get out of there, you know, I need to do anything. Like, okay, I don't know any of these other people yet. You know, I'm, I get really, you know, nervous and the anxiety builds up with that. And am I going as a participant? Is I going like, am I going with my coach? Like, where am I going with all this? So it was all like there. And I know guys were, were, sending group texts around about sharing transportation and getting up there and meeting. And I got like, I'm always like deeply resistant to that. Like, you know, my guard goes up, like, I don't want to share cars with people just yet. Like, I don't even know. We're going to have a whole week of this. Like, who knows what's going on? And then lo and behold, my rental car landed Boston 
you know, like midnight or whatever. They have no rental car available for me, regardless of the reservation. I'm exhausted. And I think I sent a message to the group, you know, like in the middle of the night or something like that. And you immediately responded like, we've got a car and it's <laughs> this time I'll take it. So I, I jumped in the car with you and with, and with Bob. And, you know, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And it was just a great experience to meet you guys in person, to get outside of my comfort zone, to be also forced to let your guard down, have conversation in a, in, over a car ride over several hours before you even knew what was going to hit you in the whole week ahead. So we got to form a little early bond before we met the rest of the group. But, you know, moral being, you know, I hope for people out there like, hey, these things happen for a reason. You know, get outside your comfort zone. You know, try, try new things. Go a little unguarded from time to time. All of that stuff. You know, sometimes you're forced to do it. More often than not, you have a choice. So like we say, try to make the right choice the majority of the time. The majority of your life starts to get better. And life is full of, I talk about those sliding doors. I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying, do you know, for you and I to be sitting here having this conversation, do you know how many doors and how many decisions and how many actions and how many, it's a miracle when you're sitting down chatting to someone because how your paths have crossed, it it isn't by accident. Without question. I think, at least for me, in my experience, as I've started to live more intentionally, as I've started to really put more thought into my actions, more design, if you will. You know, one of the things I say is that, hey, mediocrity happens by default, maximization happens by design. You know, how can you really start to design what your days look like, what you put on your body, what you put in your body, what you're doing with your time, what the choices, again, that you're making and the actions that you're taking over the last you know, three years in particular, which I call that, that kind of tipping point window for me from 47 years old to 50, now I'm, sure I'm going to be 51 in December, when you start acting and operating with greater intentionality and ultimately with greater purpose and process, ultimately the payoff becomes that much, much better. These things that we're talking about happen for a reason. We start to attract and repel exactly what we deserve. These opportunities that we didn't have before start to present themselves. And life starts to change. You can call it transformation. You can call it reinvention. I tend to lean towards more of release. You know, a lot of times I hear that midlife is all about reinvention, reinventing yourself. And Greg, you've reinvented yourself. And I, and I don't totally buy that, Steve. Yep. What I do buy into is that I've released myself. Like who I am is who I've always, it's always been in there. It's just been this time of my life where I've had an opportunity to take advantage of it and lean into it and embrace more of the curiosity, more of the authenticity, more, and just allow that to be more prevalent. Allow that to be the forward, real, you know, me that's out there rather than the one who has been conforming, you know, has been going through the redundancy and the, and the conforming that goes on. With, with a lot of, of middle-aged guys where we just are going through the motions and year after year, we lose pieces of ourselves until we wake up one day and we look in the mirror and we're barely recognizable. And at that point, you got a real hard decision to make. You know, am I going to continue down this path and, or am I going to make some changes? Yeah. So you're talking almost 51-year-old, Greg. These realizations you didn't have decades ago, you've had them through a journey. I'd love to get a bit of a snapshot of your journey to today. Sure. I will try to give you a bit of an abbreviated one and cut me off any time here. <laughs> the, the, early, the place I typically start, I mean, we are all, we are all products of our situations and our circumstances. You know, we all have, have stories. No one's more important or less important than anybody else's, but they're ours. Mine really started on the North Shore of Long Island in New York and grew up in an amazing family and household. I have two younger brothers, my mother and my father. And you know, life changed. My father got sick and, had, and got cancer and ultimately passed away when I was 17. And my brothers were considerably younger. And you know that really changed life as we knew it. That was right before I was heading off to college. 
went off and without the father figure, if you will, without a father, without the mentor, without the advisor, without ever really dealing with, I think, my, my loss and my trauma. And that's held a big weight over me for a long period of time. Thought I wanted to be in the entertainment industry because that sounded glamorous and sounded sexy. And I had this vision of, of making films and having, you know, dedicating one to my father and doing all these, you know, these young, rebellious, crazy, whatever fantasies, dreams, aspirations that you have. And there wasn't anybody around telling me not to do it. There wasn't anybody around really telling me to do it. I was just a young guy just recklessly kind of trying to figure things things out. And I ultimately did go down that path. And I was fortunate enough to to produce a couple of movies. And I was fortunate enough to get his name up on the screen and do a lot of what I had set out to do. But it came it came at a cost. I was not living a healthy lifestyle. I was not really a I think a great person to myself. I wasn't particularly a great person to to others. And I didn't see myself staying in this. And nor nor did I have such wonderful memories of, of life in New York and, and wanting to be a lifer, you know, there. So I distanced myself. And that's been a pattern for, for a long time too. And changed businesses a number of times, thinking I had to do it all myself, push the boulder uphill. You go and that's what entrepreneurship is. That's what again, being a fatherless, if you will, guy is. You know, you you figured out you do it on your own. Went into the sports video business, which turned out to be quite successful. I did get married along the way, and we had we have two boys who are now twenty and seventeen, and I had a pretty successful rise in that business, and ultimately, you know, taking on a high profile partner, and then watching it as quickly as it went up, it went down, and those things happen too, and it's how you deal with them. And I ended up getting out of that business living in Houston, Texas, far from New York <laughs> at that point, far from the entertainment industry, and then taking my shot the opposite way. From entrepreneur and risk taker, I went into risk management, if you will, and saying, you know, if this part isn't working, let me try this other thing, you know, and kind of tuck my tail between my legs and went the other way. And, and then ultimately, you just spent 14 plus years working in that industry as a partner in a company, building it up until ultimately we exited exited there. And you know, somewhere along the way, Steve, you you start to figure out what's important. You start to build some some rules for yourself, if you will. You see some things you like, you see some things you don't. And you know, I got to that place. You know, I got to that 10 year anniversary with my firm and realized thinking, is this it? You know, is this where the anxiety attack hits me? Everything is successful from the outside looking in, the wife, the kids, the family. I'd even gotten my health back and all like, but is this it? That's really when I I went full bore in this path of like, hey, let me find out what's really out there. You know, let me, I don't know the answers to any of these questions. So let me find the right people and start asking the right people the right questions. And maybe I can learn something for a change. Maybe I don't have to do it all alone. And that's really when the podcast got started for me. That's really when I started writing. That's really when I started to redefine what success looked like from this chasing of salary and title to what I call the six F's of family and fitness and food and finance and fashion and fun. You know, like what's really important to me and having conversations at this point with over 200 incredibly successful and prolific midlife men who I have gleaned different information from, successes, failures, ways of doing things to build out my own personal operating system. And how do I want to live? And how, I do, how do I want to be a parent? And what does success you know, really look like? And create these frameworks and, and operating systems that became the book. Let me share these conversations. Let me share my takeaways. Let me put them into a book and Trust me, I never thought of myself as a writer. I still don't think of myself as a writer. You know, but you start writing week after week, or in my case, talking and just recording it and then transcribing it and then throwing out 90% of it because it's shit and then going again and then taking all the other great stuff that all these other guys said to me. That's really what developed the book. It developed a coaching program. It developed what I get to do right now with Midwife Mail Media. And it's been 
you know, for the first time in my life, this, this opportunity, you know, this role that I have to be of service that feels, that feels right to be of service and hopefully be of value and to be doing things week in and week out, day in and day out, like having this conversation with you that hopefully really does help men maximize middle age. A longer answer than you wanted to it, but that's, you know, 30 plus years of, of what's gone into that. And I think a lot of times that's overlooked in a lot of situations, just how long it takes. Mm-hmm. And it may be forever. Yep. The, the positive side of this is that I'm just getting started. I'm just getting warmed up. I have no idea where this is really going to go, but I'm enjoying what my days look like a lot more now than I ever have before. So I'm just leaning into that. What can I control each day? Can I exercise? Can I be intentional about what I put on in my body? Can I have good conversations? Can I surround myself with good people? Do we have a successful business model for this? And what does successful look like? When it gets hard, is it the good kind of like it's all gonna get hard? What kind of hard are we choosing? You know, can we revisit these things each each day and say, okay, I'm looking forward to waking up. I'm looking forward to what's on my calendar, looking forward to what we're trying to do. All of those things. And that's that's just a different perspective and a different mindset than I had for a long time. Yeah. That's why I love and resonate with what you do, your thoughts, because for me obviously starting this podcast was very much about everyone's got a story, right? Everyone's got a story. Everyone's had a journey. Everyone's got reflections, ideas. And there's so many people out there that don't get to share their ideas. Some people don't even think they've got, like I've had some of my guests that I've interviewed so far and they go, oh, I hope it's okay. Like my mum, my mum said to me, she said, oh, that interview if you want to delay it by a few years, that'd be good, right? Because I don't think I've really got anything to share. But the feedback I've had from it, everyone's like, oh, wow. You know, I just love those reflections. I love those thoughts. I love those ideas. Wow. That's just absolute gold, right? But for her, she's 75 thinking, I don't have anything to, I don't think I've got anything to share. And that's, and, and that's what I love really, because the people that think they do have something to share, Usually, there's an agenda and everything that runs behind it. You know, I think to to your point there, I think when you were just getting this started, you're even thinking about it. It's like, look, man, just start. If it's something you want to do, just start. You don't need a studio. You don't need fancy equipment. You don't need to overthink it. You don't go for the low hanging fruit. Who's going to say yes to you? I mean, I can't tell you how many people said no to me, no to me, over. Just get out there and start. And you know what? Maybe the initial early interviews aren't going to be the greatest, but you keep going forward and you work at it and you get better and you listen back and you take and you're open and willing to accept feedback, which I wasn't for such a long time too. And boy, what a great thing when you start opening yourself up to smart people, giving you good feedback and good advice, letting the guests do the majority of the to all of the other stuff that's going on in there. You just keep doing. And as you keep doing, you get better. And if you find that it brings you joy and you want to keep doing it, then you keep doing it. And here's the other thing. I have a great friend of mine, super, super successful. She had launched a podcast and she did a bunch of episodes and she just did a a great piece on, hey, I'm not doing this anymore. I found that after giving it a try and I don't really enjoy doing this. Yep. And when I don't enjoy doing something, I have a choice now in life to not do it. Exactly. And if I can't be 100% in and really want to, then I'm not going to do it. If I can't do it well, that kind of thing. I think we just keep trying and we stick with the things that we genuinely want to to stick with. There's this things that we want to do, things that we have to do, and things ultimately that we get to do. What does that ratio look like within the pie chart of, of our lives? One of the things I, I've listened to a number of podcasts over the years, and it's interesting because I look at, for me in real estate, I always used to say to my agents and I used to say to people that were starting out, don't judge your year one against someone's year 12, right? Or year 20 or year 30 or whatever it is, right? Don't compare yourself because they started where you started. Listen to Tim Ferriss and Jay Shetty and Mel and all these great people. And I was sitting there going, for me, in my head, thinking, oh, these guys are amazing. Wow, look what they do, But then I went, hang on, I've got to take my own advice here. So I went back and I actually started to 
look back at their first episodes. Even Gary V, he said in one of his episodes or one of his videos one day, he's like, go back and watch my first video of Wine Library TV on YouTube. And I went back and as he said, he says, oh, it's terrible compared to where I am today. So taking that, taking that advice and kind of going, yeah, you just got to, as you say, start. And, and keep going. Because here's the other thing, like, it's going to get hard. We're all going to get to a, a place in any of these, in any of our endeavors, no matter how much we love them. It's going to get hard. It takes work. And that's where the perseverance and the consistency and the discipline and the grit come in. Are you going to lean in? Are you going to lean into the dip? Even as Seth Godin says, are you going to lean into the dip or are you going to back out? And neither decision is necessarily wrong. You've got to know what the right one is for you and what your goals are. Sometimes backing out is perfectly acceptable, like my friend just did with him. And other times you got to say, look, this is when I really got to push forward. I got to lean in and I got to come out better the other side. And this is what this is what it's going to take. None of us are going to be starting at, at, at the top. I mean, unless you have some special circumstance that I don't know, you know out there, but for the, I've never started any, anywhere but the bottom. As I say, you can't fall off the floor. You know, So start there. From there, you will get progressively better. And it doesn't matter which area of life we're talking about. And I work on optimization with men across a wide variety of topics. If it's health and wellness and fitness, you are not going to walk into the gym if not working out in three years and throw 400 pounds in a barbell and think you're going to go deadlifted that day. Not a recipe for success. You're not going to start a podcast and be the greatest interviewer in the world with A-listers breaking down your door to get on the show you know, on, on day one. If you want to improve your, your, your style, you're not going to change your entire wardrobe and appearance overnight you know, in a day. Look, all of these, anything you want to do, it, there's going to be a process involved, and it is going to take patience, and it is going to take consistency, and it is going to take discipline, and it is going to take accountability. And those are the things that you really need to be working on and focused on day in and day out so that you can three years down the road, one year down the road, 10 years, go back to your first one and look and cringe at it and be okay with cringing at it because of how far you've come. Yep. Most quit. Again, when, when shit gets hard, that's when most people quit. Yep. And that's why 1%, I think it's only 1% of the podcasts out there ever make it to 10 or more episodes. Listen, I think it's 1% period. You know? We talk about wanting to be in the 1%. The 1% of life, the 1% of anything up there. I think the gap is widening between the haves and the have-nots. I think, think about how huge the gap is between 99% and 1%. Can't get any bigger than that. Where do you want to be? I mean, that's a very simple question as a man to get up, look in the mirror and go, do I want to be in the 99% or the 1%? Now, the question is, are you willing to do what it takes to be in the 1%? Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, are you willing to do what it takes? And if you are, you can get there. Not overnight. But you will go from 99% to the 70% to the 60%. Ultimately, you can work your way closer and closer towards the 1%. If you are taking quantifiable, measurable, actionable, positive action day in and day out, we overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in a day. And most quit when it gets hard. Yeah. So there are your differentiators, you know, right there. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Who's holding you accountable? We get on a WhatsApp group chat with you know these guys, and guess what? I don't want to show up failing, not doing what I said I was going to do. That's right. Mm-hmm. Not acting a certain way. What did we agree to? What promises did we make to one another? Are we upholding those promises? Are we keeping the ones that we make to ourselves? You know, that's the shit that's really, really important. It doesn't get talked about enough because there's an easier way to buy a solution, you know, or listen to some influencer who doesn't know what they're talking about or have any experience. (laughs) I mean, you talked about looking around and and comparison is the thief of joy. And I love Gary and I love Mel and I love and all this. But if you are out there really just comparing yourself every day to people that are light years that have been doing this longer, that's a very, you know, disappointing way to live to try to compare and keep up. Run your own race. 
Like everything we do in life, for me, I, if I get drawn to something now, I'm like, okay, there's a reason why internally I'm feeling like I have to do this. And for me, it's always it always leads to something, right? So whatever this podcast leads to, whatever I'm doing leads to, it's going to lead me where I need to go. Look, you say either win or you learn. Yep. You're going to get something out of doing this. There's a reason you decided you wanted to do it. And there will be a reason for everything that happens subsequently. And because of the kind of person you are, you are going to be controlling more of the outcome and more of your own destiny than the average guy, coin record. Because you're approaching it kind of with that 1%, not kind of, but with that 1% mindset. You're going to learn. You're going to evolve. Whether you do 100 episodes, you determine after 50, this may not be my bad. Yep. But you have also met 50 other people. You've also had 50 more conversations. Maybe it makes you a better speaker. Maybe it makes you a better husband. Maybe it makes you a better father. Maybe you gleaned five tips on how you live your life out of 50 conversations, and they last for the next 10 years of your life on how you wake up and do things. Maybe it's just a week in the woods in Vermont, and I got 12 note cards of feedback from men I didn't know before that I can literally keep on my desk every day and go, how do you want to be perceived by others, and how do you perceive yourself, and are you fucking doing it? Yep. You know, there'll always be some, if, you, if you're open to it, there'll always be something. But where you get into trouble, at least where I got into trouble, is it's not enough. I expected more. Accept what it is. I love you bring up those cards. That was a powerful exercise that Chris did in Soul Degree on that retreat. But that was a big thing for you. And tell me, Greg, five years ago, 10 years ago, would he have asked that question of the group? I definitely wouldn't have asked the question of that group. I would have assumed I knew the answer. And I think I would preface it. I think the question was, again, like, how, how do you guys perceive me? I want to hear about first impressions and did I change your impression over time in there? So no, I wouldn't have asked that question. I don't think I would have cared to know the answer. I would have assumed to know the answer and it wouldn't have fucking mattered, okay? Because I'm not really taking or open to anyone else's opinions anyway. At the time, we're really being honest. And now it's a completely different mindset and perspective. You, know, you, get, you get beaten up enough, you get humbled enough, you get your eyes opened enough, you talk to enough successful people that are out there. Hopefully, some of it sinks in. And you start to maybe tweak the way you think or the way you operate and you grow and you evolve and you get there. I say, look, I'm a slow learner and a late bloomer, but hopefully it's starting, you know, it's starting to, to come together. And look, you realize you can get so much farther with collaboration versus competition. You can be better together than, than on your own. Completely agree. It is proven. It is measurable. It is quantifiable that there are multiple ways to be successful, but there really is only one way to fail. And if you stay closed up, and if you think it's you versus everybody else, so you're going you're gonna to struggle. And if you open yourself up to what you're saying, to living and learning and surrounding yourself with people, and maybe not everything that enters your orbit works for you, but you figure out from, you know, one of my rules now is aggregate, curate, and eliminate. You can aggregate from all of the things that are out there. There's a lot of noise. We all know that. But you've got to curate it down to what works for you. And ultimately, you've got to eliminate the stuff that doesn't. And if you can do that, freeze up a lot of time <laughs> to, to be successful. Zig Ziglar had a good quote, which linked in, you know, around that, which was something like, and I'm probably going to misquote it here, but whatever you want, you just need to help other people get what they want and then it flows to you. So, Look, I think it's, I think it's true. I mean, look, again, the body of work that I can say is nobody that's come on my podcast or that I've crossed paths with over the last couple of years in particular, it's never been a, like a quid pro quo. You know what I mean? It's never been a, it's been with a generosity and kind of a selflessness to, to share and to be, but what I'm finding is that the more successful the individual, 
the greater the willingness to share their experiences and help to pull you along, you know, not push you into stuff, you know, but really naturally kind of pull you along. And the stories that they tend to share are not the ones that you would think. They're not the obvious success ones. They really are the ones about the trials, the tribulations, the failures, the missteps, all of those things, because that's really the helpful stuff. Never seen a business plan that says, hey, we're going to take, raise all this money. We're going to go into business. It's, it's going to be great for three years. And then we're going to bottom out, lose all the money and, you get, and, and return nothing. I've ne- you never see any plans that show, but to your point, that's what happens to 99%. Businesses, per, like, hey, the majority again are not successful. Why? Because it's hard. And the other thing is, is that they it start business and when someone wants to start something, starts out as a dream. As soon as they hit reality, they go, oh shit. Well, this is back to the choosing your heart. I mean, I have these, these are difficult conversations and we, and, and it's become kind of a buzzword. Have the hard conversation. Okay. Can you have the hard conversation? It's hard to have a hard conversation. That's why most don't have it and they, and they avoid it. This is where the choose your heart concept comes from. Tell you something. It is hard to be in shape. It is hard to get up and exercise every single day and be in shape. I can promise you that it's harder to be out of shape. Yep. In both, you get to choose your heart. It is hard to be successful and hard to be wealthy. It is. It's a lot harder to be unsuccessful, unhappy, and broke. Which one? All of these are choices to an, to an extent. You genuinely get to choose your heart. Did you choose to get up and go exercise or did you choose to sleep in? Did you choose to go to the drive through again, stuff your pie hole full of fattening food, <laughs> or did you choose to meal prep? Did you choose to actually do your best at work and continue to advance or start that business or put it, or did you choose to just Go through the motions and think that the world owes you something or the company owes you something. They're all hard, Mm. but they're all choices. Yeah, I love that. Greg, tell me, you were talking about the, you get to a point in midlife where you stand there in the mirror and kind of go, something's got to change. Was there a moment for you or or tell me about that moment for you that that you changed and you wanted to, to go from fat to fit? Broke to wealthy. I mean, mine was really my 10-year anniversary with my firm. You know, and, and I've talked about this a lot. I get to talk about it on, on stage in one of my keynotes. It's in the book. 47 years old, that was, I was the same age that my dad passed away. And it was the 10-year anniversary with, with my firm. And I remember being in that parking lot of the office building in the reserved parking spot that the partners have. And I've got the office on the 24th floor overlooking downtown Houston in the multi-million dollar book of business and the wife and the kids and the private schools and everything looks, looks great. And I'm just miserable. Just feeling like incredibly mediocre. And I'm going to go through this, this redundancy and this conformity and this complacency every day. I don't have a passion for all of, I guess I felt passionless and there was nothing wrong with the people, nothing wrong with the business, nothing wrong with anything but me. I just was not particularly happy and satisfied with where I was. I was drinking too much. I wasn't in great shape, the the shape that I wanted to be in and the shape that I had been and the shape that I thought I should still be in, but I wasn't doing what it, and the days were starting at, you know, six o'clock in the morning and they weren't ending until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it was exhausting. It was inauthentic and it was exhausting. So what's the, what was the first decision you made from that point? That, well, one, I decided at that point that I was fresh out of answers and solutions on my own and that this was unsustainable. And that now that I hit 47, I could either see this as the beginning of the end, or I could see this as an opportunity in a new beginning. I have now made it farther than my father did. What the fuck am I going to do about it? To not squander the opportunity. And 
try to live better and try to live differently. The first thing I did was not quit. Okay. This whole quit your job and follow your passion thing. Can we please just dispel that, especially for men in middle age? That quitting your job to follow your passion before you have any kind of plan or stability may be the most galactically irresponsible thing you could do. Yep. When you are married and you are, have children and you have a high cost of living, I had equity in a firm. I had a big book of business. I had put a lot of time in there. I had obligations and responsibilities. It would have been completely irresponsible of me to just quit because I wanted to go work out every day or I wanted to just host a podcast starting tomorrow and live my best life. Because if you think you're unhappy and miserable when you're making a lot of money and you have benefits and equity, trust me, you're going to be a lot more miserable and unhappy when they turn off the faucet the the very next day. So the number one thing I did not do is I did not quit. And in order to not quit and in order to not screw this up, I relied on two people. One, I hired a coach. And two, my wife. And those became kind of the foundational book bookends. Do not screw this up. Do not screw this up. Do not shoot you. I have a long history of self-sabotage. So I stayed put. You know what it is? Like also like art of war, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Smile and wave to everybody you work with and do it no matter if you, and then start planning how you're gonna get through this and get out of this. Yep. So that was one. And that's what I did. I said, look, I'm not the CEO of my own company anymore. But I, I have no decision-making authority here whatsoever, even as a partner. But I am the CEO of my own life. So I can start acting like that. And what does that look like? So I don't have to be the first one in and the last one to leave. I can spend more time with my wife and with my kids. Deeper appreciation. I can, get, I can actually come and go. I started thinking about the positives. Guess what? I'm in a business. I can come and go as I please. Really? I can eat what I kill. These guys that I'm partners with, amazing. They're crushing it and crushing themselves. Guess what? My value and my equity is going up because of them. There's another way to look at things. Guess what? I did start the podcast and I did start the newsletter. And you know what I wrote about? I'm getting paid a lot of money to host a podcast and a newsletter. (laughs) Why? Because I didn't quit. And I took my hours to just go do it. And you know, it also started happening. I started getting better clients. I quite frankly stopped paying a lot of attention to the clients that didn't really move the needle and did not make me happy and started going after the kind of clients and people that did. So instead of going out drinking and and strip clubs and all the other, whatever whatever you had to do to entertain clients, you thought that you had to do, guess what? You don't. I started going to the gym. I stopped drinking. Started meeting different types of people where they were. And guess what? There are just as many really wealthy, successful people in the gym in the morning. Guess what? As there are guys that wanted to be taken out late at night. I just started making better decisions. And I call the better one or better two framework. Like, hey, get up and go to the gym in the morning or stay out late drinking. Better one or better two. And you start, I started meeting different people. Started acting differently. Yeah, that meant losing some friends, but gaining some new ones. That meant distancing myself from certain people or certain activities or certain even mentalities and modalities and leaning into some newer ones. That was really part of, of my process. And then I started interviewing people and started writing about the experiences and things that were going on. And over the course of this, while I would not wish a global pandemic on anyone, it turned out to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me and my family in regards to. I didn't want to go to an office. I didn't want to put a suit on. Now you don't have to. Nobody does. I wanted wellness and and community. Now I could. Nobody was stopping me. I built a gym in my garage. All of a sudden, things opened up. And then ultimately, lo and behold, our firm got acquired. And earlier than I had expected, I actually thought they were calling me in to fire me instead of calling me in to tell me that we were were acquired (laughs) in there. We can get to that later. Ultimately, yeah. But you know, the point being, I developed a three-year roadmap of what I called my midlife action plan, my map of what was going to help me through this period and who I needed to help me through this period and how family, fitness, finance, food, fashion, but how I was going to get better in every one of those categories and I was going to control the controllables. 
So what did I need to do to be better as a husband and as a father and putting my family first? Okay, this is what it looks like and who can help me with that? Whether that's a personal coach, a therapist, how I could map that out. What does that really look like for us to put on your calendar vacation together, coach certain teams, have dinner? Really, what does it look like in there? Finance side, how much do I need to do what I want, when I want, with who I want for as long as I want? Because as long as we got that, we can do whatever we want. If we don't have that, what more do I need to do in order to be in that position? Control the controllable. You know, the food and the nutrition side, that's about getting healthy. Again, what do I put on my body? What do I put in my body? Get your annual physical. Get your life insurance in order, okay? Get your blood work done. Everything and stop operating by default, but operate by design. All of a sudden, this was the stuff that started filling my calendar. And it was productive and it was purposeful. Get up and exercise. Get a trainer. I got a boxing guy. He comes over on Friday. Will has been with me for years now. I've got Taj and Dose and the team at Congo. They train me every Tuesday mornings. I've got a garage gym and Lionel comes over. Put your plan together and schedule everything. You start working better, then you start just then you start dressing better, then you start having more fun, and all of a sudden those F's start turning into A's. And at least that's my experience. Your days and weeks. Tell me, how do the six F's look? Just in a snapshot of for someone sitting out there, Greg, midlife, kind of going, how do I start incorporating these six F's? First of all, my F's don't have to be your F's. You know, rule number one, knowing what's important is what's most important. That's what I think you have. We, that's where you start. For me, that was redefining this metric of success from salary and title and over-indexing there like I had for so long to determining what my six Fs were. Swap any of them out that you want to, but knowing what's important really is what's most important. And when you figure that out, then it became this holistic view of success. What does that pie chart of, of my six Fs or whatever it is for you really look like? How much family? I mean, just like a balanced stock portfolio. And everybody's allocation of assets and resources is going to look a little bit different. But knowing what's important is what's most important, figuring out what that is for you first. And the second thing I'll say is if you don't know where you're going, you will never get there. Rule number two, we broke this into five, five rules. So out of that new definition of success in life, you need to also have a destination. You know, where are you going? What does health look like to you? There's a lot of white space between being out of shape and not doing anything and being sedentary to being an Ironman. Yep. People mistake that they think they have to go from either. It's all or nothing. There's a lot of white space in the middle. The middle is messy, but the middle is also the sweet spot. What does your success ratio look like? For me, I happen to love the fitness stuff. So if anything, I'm over-indexed in that side, you know, because that's not for everybody. It may be three days a week to you. It may look like walking. It may look like Pilates. It may look like whatever you want it to be, but you got to know where you're going in these categories. So what is your thesis or your definition for success? Nutrition for me, it's look, I eat clean about 80% of the time, 20% of the time, I wolf down whatever I want, you know, (laughs) in there. If it's again fitness, my thesis for fitness is a lot more is a lot more laid back in a way than a lot of people's too. Even though I love it, I just want to be about 175 pounds, somewhere around 10% body fat. You know, look good in a t-shirt and be able to feel really good and not be injured. So, what do I specifically need to do to maintain those specific, those statistics? All of these areas. What does your style look like, or anything you want? What do I feel good in? And then keep it simple in there which gets into, we talked about it, aggregate, curate, eliminate. That's how you figure that stuff out. Number four, show me your calendar. I'll show you your priorities. Everything I do is on the calendar. What we schedule gets done. Personal is where I start. Professional comes after. If your family is first and all these, then show me that. Show me where it is on your calendar. And then continue to reverse back into exactly what works for you. And then the last one really is grace, gratitude, and latitude because we're way too hard on ourselves with all of these things. And you got to cut yourself some slack. Like you said, your first podcast is not going to be your best. The first day you start working out is not going to be your personal best. Mm -hmm. 
the day you start that new project or career is not going to be the best. It's going to be the best that you can do that specific day. And the goal is to keep going and to keep doing it. But if you follow those rules and you determine what your Fs may be, and you actually have your map, midlife or otherwise, any age or stage, this works at any age or stage. For me, it just happens to be a midlife action plan. But if you follow these rules, I genuinely believe that your life is going to improve and you will be happier and healthier and wealthier and have more fun and all of those things. And that's really what I've talked about in the book throughout, which is, hey, if I can do this, anybody can. Yep. And the key is it's not that I've done it and I'm done doing it. I'm right smack in the middle of it still. It is a constant work in progress. And it is a continuous evolution and roller coaster and, and test and retest, you know, of these things. But the process itself is so much more enjoyable and worthwhile. And that's what makes it really interesting. And that's, I think, what makes it really good. Through this process, through these realizations, how have you shown up as a better husband and a better dad? You may have to ask Kate that actually, and she may tell you that I'm still working. You're like, I got a long way to go there too. Look, I think it's like the same with all of these things in every one of these areas. And, and I've shown up better because I'm trying to actually be better. Does that mean I'm always better? No. Does that mean that I'm not making missteps or mistakes? I'm making fewer. And hopefully I'm not repeating them. And am I trying to live with less regret or, or choices that I'm making that hopefully will reduce or, or remove you know, future regret? And again, being more intentional. And these steps help. It's very important to me to have a Monday FaceTime with my son who's in college. So it's on the calendar. We have even the things we love to do and everything. Like the day can get away from you. I'm looking at the clock. Okay, it's almost two o'clock now. I got another three o'clock. We haven't had our FaceTime yet. Like it's on the calendar as an every Monday thing. It's got to happen. And so part of how you show up better is you have to actually have processes and systems in order for things to become habits and behaviors, good ones. I thought it was the opposite for a long time. It just kind of happens by osmosis or you'll just remember. It doesn't work that way. You actually have more freedom through discipline. You actually have an opportunity to show up better in all these things by design. You've got to schedule and then do what you actually say is important to you. So if you want to date your wife, show me. Like, where is date night on your calendar? If you intend to take a trip with your family, show me. Did you book it? If you're going to climb the mountain, show like, but more importantly, like show you in there too. Once you decide what's most important to you and once you know these things, how you show up better is by holding yourself to that standard. My ADD and my rambling, as you can tell, like I got to put things down. I actually have to get, I've got a time block. I've got to schedule. I've got to manage. Otherwise, it can just go all over the place. And too much of a good thing is still too much of a, of a good thing. So back to that ratio, take a look at each week. I look at the week that was. I look at the week that ahead and go, are we hitting the things that are most important again? And are they getting the right allocation of time and attention? And that's how I think you show up better. Yeah, that's awesome. And you communicate that and everybody understands. Hey, like Kate's got a good understanding at this point of what we do together and how much time. We, the boys do too. And there's a delta, I'll just get into that. Like, it, and it's a hard one as a husband, as a parent. Where's the right ratio or place between dependence and independence? For me, I want to smother the shit out of it because I didn't have a lot of that. All these things are super important to me. Last night, our son went to Travis Scott in Denver with his friends and everything. I don't want to smother a, a 20-year-old, but I need you to text me when you get home. I don't care what time. It is. Like, I need a, you know. And I was talking to another friend who came over the other night and his daughter's in college. And I was asking him, like, how often do you speak to Ava? 
probably about every two weeks. <laughs> and I was like, two weeks? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't go like two days, you know? And you just start asking. I'm not saying there's right or wrong in any of this stuff either, but to your point about how you show up and what I just ask a lot of questions. I try to figure out what's right for us. Kate holds me back on certain things. She tells me I need to push forward on certain things. Even the boys will too on, on all of that stuff. And I'm trying to get better at listening to my body. I can easily overtrain. You give yourself what you need. All of these different things. I think if you end on something, it's like, man, we're all just human. And we're trying to do the very best we can. As long as you're trying and as long as you're doing, that's really better than most. And can you continue to narrow the funnel on maybe getting better at these things and living and learning and applying so that you do genuinely feel better about yourself in each and every day and, and where you're going? I know that's a little all over the place, but man, I think we take so much of it too seriously and we end up making things a lot harder than they necessarily need to be, or we think that we have to be perfect and show up certain like, the same all the time. There's something to be said for still just showing up also. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's what I think. <laughs> what I love is every quarter you do something that challenges you. Tell me about that. Yeah. This has been also something I learned or kind of adopted. You know, Jesse Itzler is super, super popular out there. If you're not familiar with Jesse Itzler, I highly recommend you, you take a look at him. He's done done some extraordinary things and continues to do some extraordinary things into, into his 50s. One thing I took from Jesse was that he's a master of, of, of using the calendar and putting big challenges on his calendar in advance, setting goals, and then, and then getting after them. And this was something I was not making a lot of time for years ago, or almost any time for years ago, thinking I can't get out of the office or I can't take a trip away from the family or anything else like this. You know, I'm focused on this is what you're supposed to do and and putting yourself second, third, or ultimately last in a lot of the the equations. And it's just another one of those things that I had wrong. Um, Self-care is not selfish. It's actually one of the most selfless things you can do. So I started putting things on my calendar. What I chose to do is I can afford to do one thing per quarter, if you will. Maybe different for, for everybody else. And by afford, that's not just monetarily or financially. It's, I can afford the time or I can afford the, the training or whatever it is that may go into what it is that you, you set your, your goal at or what it is that you want to do because it's also important to set yourself up for, for success. I think with these things rather, rather than fail you're, and then put more pressure on yourself and so on and so forth. But yeah. I put something different on the calendar every quarter. It doesn't always have to be physical. And it has been everything from the 29029 Everesting Challenge, where you do go climb the equivalent of Mount Everest in 36 hours, to weekend events like high performance lifestyle training, where you'll go through Navy SEAL activations and everything. But it's also been a week at Soul at Soul Degree, you know, with with men like yourself. It's also been you know, a week at Modern Elder Academy in Todos Santos. It has also been a keynote speaking course, you know, and getting up on stage and delivering a keynote in front of hundreds of people. So it can really be anything you want it to be. It's just got to be what's important to you. What do you want to take on or what do you want to try? What do you want to learn? So right now I'm busy planning 2024, thinking about what that list of possibilities looks like. And then ultimately, from the list of possibilities, what's probable? What can we, like, how does it line up? The timing, the cost, everything, you know, in there. So I start with what am I naturally gravitating towards and what seems interesting? I scour and I look again, I aggregate, then I curate down to what I think looks interesting to me and I want to do kick out the stuff that for whatever reason falls by the wayside is not probable, doesn't line up timing-wise or anything else, and then go, okay, what does the four, four events in 2024 really look like? So that's where I am right now. Yeah. Greg, what's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in your life? <sighs> look, I'm, I think I'm dealing with it right now. Yeah, I think I'm dealing with the biggest challenge is, I think, finally 
starting to work on on my past trauma, the ignored trauma that I had in losing my dad and, and issues that I have with my family, not my immediate family, my little bit of extended family, if you will, without going into too much detail. And how do I navigate those challenges and how do I acknowledge what I've buried for a while and haven't dealt with? Um, and what's the responsible, I guess, way to, to address and work through it now? It doesn't get easier with age. You know, uh, in some regards, maybe it gets harder. And I think my biggest challenge is, is navigating and working on the on that, and at the same time, showing up as best I possibly can for my wife and my boys, and running my business and growing it and scaling it in a manner that is effective and is impactful to as many men as as possible. And I used to think that those things were in conflict. And as I'm working on the challenge, I don't believe that they are. I used to think you had to have no problems in order to help people resolve their problem, (laughs) or you had to give an appearance that you were past all these things or through them or that you're okay. And I think one of my biggest challenges has been acknowledging that it's the opposite, that I think maybe by being is so flawed, you know, and fundamentally maybe broken and confused and conflicted and traumatized. They're like, hey, I actually have experience in this. So like maybe I can actually like have some value because let me tell you something, like I have a lot of experience in fucking things up. I have a lot of experience in unpacked baggage, a lot of experience in failure and guilt and in anger and in resentment. You go down the laundry list of things you're supposed to bottle up and hide. And then you go, wait a minute. Actually, again, it's the opposite. Like maybe you can use all this shit for good, you know? <laughs> because who do you want to learn from? Don't you want to learn from people that have been through it and or going through it? Here's the thing, Steve. Like anxiety is not going away. Stress is not going away. There's no day that I will ever have worked out enough and go, I'm done. And now I'll just stay in the shape for the rest of my life without doing anything. Like none of so who do you want to learn from and who do you want to be around, I think? You want to be around guys that are going through it and navigating through it and living with it and living with it well. Holy shit, that guy's dealing with all of this stuff and, and he actually seems like he's able to get through a day? How do I do that? He's stringing together some successes. I think that's really the biggest challenge is how do you have a good day? And then how do you string together as many of them as possible? And when you break the chain, how do you get right back to starting over again? Yep. And that probably leads into the next question of mine. You've probably covered it, but I'd really love to ask it in a different way. When you were in your 20s, what did success look like? What did you think of success? And now you're into your 50s. What's success for you today? Mm, Great question. Look, in my 20s, I wasn't even thinking about what success looked like. I was thinking, live fast, die young, leave a good-looking corpse. <laughs> like I was incredibly reckless. I was incredibly broken. I was super upset over the loss of my dad. I didn't know how to do anything or how to operate or how to be a good big brother, how to be good to myself. How to, I didn't know. Not that that's an excuse for anything. So my 20s were really a blur of just chasing anything that brought me some semblance of instant gratification and drowning most of that in in an inordinate amount of alcohol. That was my 20s. My 30s got interesting. Late 20s, 30s, you know, I met I met Kate. I don't know why she took pity on me at the time, but marriage and kids started to force some change on me reluctantly. You can't be both. You can't be, I think, a good father and a bad father, per se. You can't be both drunk and sober. You can't be both fat and fit. You really can't be up at six o'clock in the morning doing all the right things and being out until six o'clock in the morning doing all the wrong things. That intersection and that crossroads a lot in my 30s was a really interesting time. 40s, I started to get a grip a little bit more of a grip. You get humbled, you get back up again a little bit. And 40s, I started to get a little bit more of a grip. And as I said, you know, around 47, 
was really kind of the tipping point moment for me. And here I am approaching 51. And what success looked like back then was a lot of, again, salary and title and competition and winning, whatever the societal metrics of success looked like. I used to Google bigger houses and fancy cars. It's like, now I, I Google the small, small homes, you know, or like, you know, tiny homes and, and, and restored classic cars, you know, and like simple, iconic, basic, high quality, small footprint stuff. So success now really looks like simplicity. It looks like the basics and fundamentals. It looks like collaborating rather than competing. It looks like having enough to do what you want to do when you want with who you want for as long as you want, no more, no less. And it looks a lot like quality over quantity. That to me is sustainable. That's longevity. That's routine, which might seem boring to people, but I love routine. That's what success looks like. I love the freedom to wear what I want to wear each day and make my own schedule. I spent years looking at my calendar and dreading what was on it and the phone ringing and not wanting to answer calls from certain, we've all been there. Now I get this opportunity to wake up and, and the phone rings and I just can't wait to answer it. Or I look at the schedule for tomorrow and the rest of the week and I see guys like, you know, and I'm looking forward to, to doing these things. And it's harder, quite frankly, because you care even that much more, but it's the hard you choose. And to me, that's what success really looks like. It's getting to choose your heart. Through your life, looking back through your life, who's been your greatest teacher? There's a few that come to mind. One, I do always start with my dad because I'm grateful for the years that I had with him. You know, 17, almost 18 years, I got a lot more time than my brothers did. And, and that doesn't go un, unnoticed. And I'm grateful for, for that. Look, Kate's been an incredible teacher. There's nobody I think is more secure and knows who they are more, more than her. And that's something that I have struggled with, confidence, insecurity, appearances my whole life. So she's been a great teacher in that regard. Our boys have been great teachers. Being able to see the world and see life through their eyes. And my sons are experiencing life right now, again, at 17 and 20, that I didn't. Because again, my father had passed away at this time. I don't know how to be a parent, and I don't even know what a kid feels like to have a parent, a dad at that age. So we're still exploring that right now. And I have, look, even in the worst of experiences, if you will, to your point, either when are you, either when are you learn. Look, I spent two years working for Harvey Weinstein running his office right out, out of college in the film business. And this was 30 years before the Me Too era, before I told him to go F himself and went on. To, to make films of my own. Would I consider him a, a mentor or a, a, certainly not a positive one in any, in any way, shape or form, but do you learn a lot even about what not to be? I had a very positive partnership with Michael Eisner, which, was, which I learned a ton from. Did our business end up being successful long-term? No, but incredible mentorship and incredible guidance. My partners at my last firm for 14 years learned a ton from those guys. I mean, the reality is you don't also have to be super close or friendly. You're always going to learn something. And I happen to have some really, really close, a small, tight-knit, close circle of friends that I grew up with that I consider great mentors and, and tremendous gifts. And to still be hanging with those guys at 50, we just had a 50th birthday party for, for one of them, the last one to turn 50 in New York. And just to be able to go through the ebbs and flows of from like third grade to 50 years old, various degrees of times where you are close and then you're not so close for a while and life happens and then you come back together and you do all those things. It's really remarkable to, to have those kinds of relationships in, in your life. And, and then I'll just end on the fact that over the last few years, the people that have entered my life that I feel close to now are so different from so many of the people that had ever been in my life and that I would ever think would have been in my life. That if I leave anybody out there with anything, let me tell you again, there is, there is hope and there is possibility and there is probability that whatever you want in life is out there. It absolutely exists. 
if you're just willing to put yourself out there and go look for it and give it a chance. You can completely change your friend group. You can completely change your, your business. You can change anything and everything if you really want to. And it is never too late to start. And your closest friends may be people you do not know today. They might be people you meet tomorrow. They may be people you've just... My point is like, just be yourself because it, everything you want is out there. You just gotta, you may just have to work a little harder to, to go find it, but, but it's there. I think you almost just answered my last question, which was going to be, if you could sit down with a young Greg, what advice would you give him? Look, man, start early. Here's, again, like I fought a lot of, I had a lot of resistance up. You know, we talked about this in Vermont, a lot of guard up. The advice I give is let your guard down early. Be open. Listen. Be vulnerable. Share. Be self. The better choices. Choose being selfless over being selfish. Choose collaboration over competition. Yep. Choose being open versus closed. Choose being vulnerable over guarded. Most of the time we know the right choice to make. We're just reluctant to do it. Yeah. And if you break down the stereotypes and the norms, typically, I think you're going to go farther faster. It's never too late to start, but I wasn't there. Look, without regret, like everything happens for a reason. Do I wish I started a little earlier and bought into some of these things a little earlier? Yeah. So if I can help other guys see around the bend, see a little farther, a little faster, make fewer mistakes or make fewer missteps, that's what this is about, paying it forward now. Greg, I've appreciated your time today. It's been awesome to catch up. You rock, man. I'm so proud of you. Like seriously, like it's it's so great seeing you do what exactly what you said you're going to do and continue to to evolve and to grow. And I see what you're putting out there, you know, online. I see how much it means to you, the coursework you're taking, the places you put yourself, committing again, putting things on your calendar, like Sedona, like, like you're doing it. it and, and it's awesome to see. If anyone wants to reach out, how do they reach out with the midlife mail? Appreciate it. Easiest midlifemail.com. Go to the website. You can subscribe to the newsletter, subscribe to the podcast, download the free guide that I have on there. You can get a link and buy a copy of the book. And you know this, I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's where I spend a bunch of my time. So at Greg Scheinman on Instagram. And we've got some some really awesome things coming down the pipe for 2024. So new podcasts, deeper format that's going on there new writers and an editorial team that's working on the newsletter, you know, so we can serve deeper. You know, the goal has been listening and giving guys what they want and putting some cool groups and some other stuff together. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Get on board. And I try to respond to everybody that reaches out directly. So I am not hard to find. Very good. Well, love you, brother. I love what you do. I love the the midlife male movement that you've created that you're, you're evolving with and just making a difference in the world, man. And that's what I love. Well, thank you. The feeling, the feeling is mutual and I really appreciate it from you because you get to see both sides. You know, <laughs> you get to see this forward facing side and then you also get to see the other, you know, the, the other side too. So there you go, people. It ain't always a pretty picture. You know? <laughs> that's all good. All right, mate. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. It's been great to have you along for the ride. Remember to hit subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Maybe just one person you think could benefit from what was just shared. Also, if you haven't connected with me yet, you can find me on Instagram at the Steve Hodgson and also share underscore underscore podcast. I'll catch you on the next episode.